I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when the day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you.
Um, we've got some really good stuff in store for this morning. I can't wait to turn uh, the worship over to uh, Jim Copperley, who's going to be leading this morning, and then turn the message over to Don Ashley, who's going to be bringing the word um, on something I really did not want to bring the word on. So, yay for Don! Uh, if this is your first time joining us, or if you've just never done it before, I would encourage you to go to your uh, computer, take out your phone right now, uh, go to your browser, and visit www.c3ak.com slash hello, and just fill out uh, real quick, just take like half a minute, I think, because I've never actually done it myself, um, fill out an online electronic visitor card just to let us know you joined with us, and just so we can connect with you, because we like to connect with you. Uh, if you're not... I would encourage you, as I have been for the last 9,342 Sundays in a row, to connect with us uh, via email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever other social media you're on and we're on all at the same time. It's the best way to stay up to date and know what's going on. Because, well, there used to be. Remember the time when things happened uh, as opposed to now when it's just you stay at your house? So, but there might come a time when we're allowed out of our houses again and stuff starts happening again and you're going to want to know when that happens and what's going on, so do connect with us that way. If you are joining us from home, I would encourage you parents um, with little ones or bigger little ones, uh, take a moment when you have a chance to visit uh, c3ak.com slash kidprint and uh, there's activity sheets there you can print out and uh, give the kids something to work on as they join us in worship and, uh, and during the message. I would ask you, however... To not do that right this second. Uh, if you are watching from home, I have a captive audience here, so I know they're going to pay attention because I'll give them a stink eye if they don't. Uh, but you at home, I would encourage you right now, uh, don't go get coffee. Don't go to your computer. I'd really appreciate if you would really pay attention right now because uh, we have a video we're about to show with some important information, uh, important enough that uh, Tracy was uh, out of state and uh, he took the time out of the other stuff he's doing to, uh, to film this video for you and let you know about uh, something that kind of impacts the Christ Community Church family. So, Tracy. Well, good morning, Christ Community Church. I'm here in uh, Ellensburg, Washington with Karen and Christopher, giving him some assistance with Wrapping up some college things and getting him prepared for the next semester, but I uh, had some news that we needed to share with you this morning that uh, will come as a shock as it did to us. And uh, there's no really easy way to say it, so I'll just dive right in. But uh, Craig Powers took ill uh, about a week ago, um, as far as we can determine, not COVID related, but related to some other health issues that he had. and. We learned on Friday that he died and uh, was there at the apartment on the property. And the authorities came and uh, he was able to be released to our friends at Jansen uh, Funeral Homes. And we're grateful for them and the care that they're giving to him and to his family. And I have been uh, in contact today, this is Saturday, with his brother and had a, a great conversation. His brother has actually visited with us at Christ community before. He lives in Florida and uh, has visited in Anchorage and he'll be coming up towards the end of the month and we'll gather together probably the first week of September for a celebration of life and remembrance of Craig. But uh, I know that you will join me 
in uh, grieving for him and uh, missing him, being thankful for the time that we had him there with us as just part of our church family, a friend to us all, uh, electric guitar player extraordinaire and uh, one of the most talented musicians I've ever met in my life. And I'm sure gonna miss him. So we wanted to let you know about that, be aware of that and uh, please be in prayer for uh, the rest of the Powers family and as his brother Wade uh, mentioned to me this morning for Craig's dad who um, doesn't know Jesus but maybe this will be an opportunity again for Wade to share Christ with him uh, through this time and uh, we'll let you know what's coming up as soon as we have more details but again just pray for the family and uh, be good to one another because life's never guaranteed for tomorrow right Anyway, I love you guys. Look forward to seeing you when I get back. Everybody take care. church to pray. Pray for um, Pauline. Pray for her family. Pray for the doctors. Pray for Craig's family. Um, it's, you know, the Bible says that in the life of a believer, all things come together for the good. Even, even bad things can lead to a good outcome. And I'm sure for Craig, if an outcome of his death was for his father to come to know Jesus Christ, he would call that a good outcome. Um, many of you may not know Craig other than, you know, you remember seeing him up here. He was generally kind of back in that area. And uh, periodically he would just do some kind of really, not as often as I would have liked, not as metal as I would have liked, but some really amazing guitar riff kind of stuff. And uh, that may make you go, oh, that guy. Um, but if you ever talked to him, even for just a few minutes, uh, what you would have gotten was that Craig loved Jesus. Yeah. Craig loved music. Craig loved this church, and Craig loved worship. And though he cannot be here with us this morning or any other morning, I guarantee you, every morning from today on out, Craig will be joining with us in worship. I'm going to offer up a few words of prayer, and then I'm going to turn things over to Jim. Father, we, we thank you for this day that uh, we as a family uh, immediately here and by extension through, through the internet, through video, um, and over the week to come, that we can share this time that... Um, this tough news we've learned is not something born by any single one of us, but by us collectively. And that as it should be in Christian life, our burdens are not ours alone, but the burdens of the community. And just as we celebrate the good things together, so we bear up under 
the hard things together. I pray, Father, that you would come, that you would abide with us this morning, that you would dwell in this place and in each and every home represented through an online view, and that that you would just accept our praise and our worship and our prayers and the things, the burdens in our heart that are too heavy to even give voice to. Come now, Jesus, and be to each of us the Lord and Savior we need right now in this moment. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. It's always hard to have friends and family pass on. What a, what a great reassurance it is. Praise God this morning. He's here with us in our presence. So uh, we'll uh, we'll start off this set with uh, the decree. This I believe. Thank you for helping me too, man.
I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of You are here, you are holy. 
we are standing in your glory. You are here, Lord. You are holy. We are standing in your glory, Lord. Our Deliverer, you are Savior. In your presence we find our strength over everything. Our redemption, God, with us, our Deliverer, our Deliverer, you are Savior. In your presence we find our strength over everything, our redemption, God, with us, you are God. Brother Don, I think it's your turn to pass the word on to us. I bring you a twisted tale this morning. Of all of the stories of the Bible, this one is in the top ten of really messed up stories. I asked Tracy if it was intentional that he was out of town today, and he gave this passage to me. <laughs> he said, no, it's a luck of the draw. I'm not sure I believe that, Tracy. I think we should definitely pray before we uh, work on this passage. Lord, thank you for your word, how it speaks to us that it is authentic because it, in it, in its words, we have stories that are not pretty. And yet we have preserved these as sacred and inspired by you. And we pray you'd help us today that as we look at this passage to draw out of it lessons for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, our passage today is Mark 6, verse 14 through 30. It is the beheading of John the Baptist. And uh, I don't have time today to tell you everything I don't mean by this passage. And if you want to talk to me more about that, we can talk after the, the, the sermon or after the service. So if you want to look that up in whatever form you have a Bible this morning... Uh, Mark 6, 14 through 30. A little background first. You probably all remember from the Christmas story, Herod the Great. This is the Herod who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby, and, or when he was very young. And there are, Herod had many children. Herod the Great had many children. But there are uh, a few of his sons that are important for this story. First, there is Herod Antipas, 
who is the main character in the story we read about, and Mark just refers to him as Herod. Um, and then there's also another son of Herod the Great called Aristobulus IV, and another son called Philip. Aristobulus IV and his wife Bernice had a daughter named Herodias. Herodias later married her uncle Philip. Okay? I told you it was a twisted tale. Herod Antipas was visiting Philip and Herodias and their daughter Salome. Salome's not named in this passage. Uh, we know that her name is Salome from Josephus, the ancient Jewish historian. And Antipas was smitten by Herodias, and he begged her to come and marry him. So Herodias and her daughter Salome leave Philip, and she marries her other uncle, Antipas. Okay, so this family could be on Dr. Phil. They're a messed up bunch. This is a family tree that doesn't fork, okay? And it gets worse. Uh, so, John the Baptist is the other major character. Of course, John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, slightly older, who announced the coming of the Messiah. He also baptized Jesus. He was a great prophet. Jesus says he was the greatest prophet. He had quite a ministry. He had disciples. He was very vocal. And as we'll see, that gets him in trouble. Let's look at the passage of Scripture, and I'll, we'll just read the whole story, and then I'll talk about it. Beginning with verse 14, King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become, become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he's Elijah, and still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, but he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with a request. I want you to give me right now the king, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went and beheaded John in the prison and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. 
the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Okay, so, first of all, it says that Herod Antipas heard something about Jesus. So what did he hear? Well, here are some possibilities. Casting out demons. Jesus did that. We've seen that in the sermons that came before us and the series here at the church. Healing people of all kinds of diseases, including leprosy and paralysis. And when Jesus healed someone with paralysis, they didn't have to go through nine months of physical therapy. They just got up and walked. He calmed a, stor a storm on the Sea of Galilee. He raised the dead. And, as we see from last week in Jason's sermon, his disciples were doing similar things. And in this passage, Herod Antipas hears about this, and he's superstitious, and he thinks, ah, what has happened here is that John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and this is what Jesus is doing now. He was very Herod Antipas was superstitious. And in this passage, he has a birthday party for himself. And according to Josephus, the same historian who tells us the daughter of Herodias' name is Salome, said that Herod Antipas was notorious for giving debauched parties, drunken parties. And he was probably drunk when Salome danced for him. And he made a rash vow in front of his distinguished guests where he promises her almost anything. You can imagine what kind of dance that might cause a man to make such a grand promise, but this is G-rated, so I'm not going to go into that. Herodias was nursing a grudge against John the Baptist because he had publicly spoken against her marriage to Antipas, her illegal marriage. And Antipas, to appease her, put John the Baptist in jail. Now, she wanted him dead, but John the Baptist recognized that John was a prophet. The people recognized him as a prophet. He was afraid of the people, and I think he kind of had a soft spot for John the Baptist. He, I think he liked to listen to him. So he put, uh, he put John the Baptist in jail, but he wouldn't execute him. And he thought, well, maybe this will keep my wife quiet. That will appease her. It didn't. So after Salome's dance and the grand promise, she stops and she goes out and she asks her mother Herodias, what should I ask for? And Herodias, of course, says, I want John the, head, John the Baptist's head on a platter right now. And Herod didn't want to back out because all of his distinguished guests were there. And so he gave the order. John the Baptist gets his head cut off. You know, we become conformed to the object of our affection. Antipas was brought up by Herod the Great. He was a ruthless, power-hungry, paranoid ruler. And Antipas probably had very similar characteristics to his dad. Herodias, brought up by a son of Herod the Great, Aristobulus, probably saw the same thing when she was growing up. She was rich, she was powerful, she was probably used to getting anything she wanted. You know, we become like those people we love. 
And everybody gets a spiritual formation, even people who deny that they have a spiritual nature. Some people get a bad spiritual formation. Some people get a good one. You know, even people like Ted Bundy and Charles Manson and Hitler, all the way to Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, all of them get a spiritual formation. There's a 1996 movie called Fly Away Home, Jeff Daniels. It's about geese imprinting. When a little uh, goose hatches, the first thing that they see is what they think is their mother. And in this movie, it's all about the first thing they see is a little girl, and they think, oh, the little girl is my mother. And the whole movie is based around this imprinting. But, you know, this is well known. If you've ever raised birds, you understand that they will actually imprint on you if you see them when they hatch. And they think, ah, if, this, if, if Jason had you know, little geese hatching and the geese saw him, they'd say, ah, Jason is my mother. And they would follow him everywhere. When I'm born, I'm looking for a bigger form of me, whatever that is. And I'm going to connect to it because God has put this thing in me that if I don't connect to that thing, I'm going to die. And I'll follow whatever that is to become a bigger form of me. Now, geese have a very simple imprinting instinct compared to humans. However, it isn't simple if we think about all the things geese have to learn, like how to migrate. And they learn that from their parents. The problem with people is that although we go through an attachment to, to people bigger than us, our parents, our people significant in our lives, we're attached to the wrong big humans. And what I mean by that is that as humans, we aren't what God intended us to be. You talk to my children, they have a top 10 list of stupid things dad said and did. And they're gleeful to recount those. We aren't what God intended us to be, and all the people we have to attach to are defective, unfortunately, and we duplicate whatever we're attached to. I think God's original intent was to have us attached to, to big humans who would then teach us to attach to God, but in the fall that linkage has broken down. But attachment is the most profound way we form our identity. And attachments are very strong. Like the attachment of a parent to a child. It's stronger than the desire to live. Like the attachment of a mother to her child. There are cases where parents have rushed into burning buildings to save their child. Even when their chances of survival were not good. Because that attachment is stronger than the desire to stay alive. God wants to be involved in those parts of our lives that are stronger than the desire that we have to live. Consider John the Baptist. According to Jesus, there's been no greater prophet than John. And he told the truth about Herod and Antipas with full knowledge of what might happen to him. However, for him, 
serving God was more important than his life. John the Baptist, of course, had a strong attachment to God. He had godly parents. We know that from the scripture. He was brought up to love God. He had a zeal for the Lord. We see that in in the recordings we have of what he said in scripture. He had a very strong attachment to God. He had had an attachment to God that was stronger than his instinct to preserve his own life. So what does it mean to be in a relationship with God? It's more than responding to an invitation in church and repeating a prayer, although it can start there. It means growing in our love for God. And joy is connectedness. It's the basis of building a good attachment. Tobin, put that picture up. I could try to define joy for you, but I think it's better just to show you this. We can feel that in our gut because joy means relationship. You know that joy like, oh, there you are, my big person. Now life can begin. And the brain, our brains are always imitating somebody. And we think, in this setting, who am I going to imitate? Who have I seen handle something like this before? And most things in life you know, that, that we encounter are routine and repetitive, and, and we have a good idea of how to behave. But throughout life, we're always encountering something we haven't seen before, like the crisis we're going through now. And the question then is, what am I supposed to do here? And the solution we formulate is based on our attachment. Now, not just anybody can be our example. It has to be one of our people, our parents, our brothers, our sisters. I'm talking about biological brothers and sisters. Our very close friends, those people who shape our character. One of our people. Freud, I don't, remember, I don't agree with most of what Freud said, Sigmund Freud, but he did have something, I think, good when he was talking about the way that we absorb our culture and that it goes into our subconscious. We don't even realize sometimes that we're making decisions based on the people in our, our lives and the way they formed our character, but they do. You may, or say, you may have said, I'll never be like my mom or my dad, and then you say something, and it's something that your mom or dad would have said, and you think, where did that come from? You ever do that? Most of Christian life is sin management or managing the tendencies we've absorbed from all the people we didn't want to be like. And, of course, managing is better than letting it run loose, right? (laughs) But what does God want from my life? My suggestion is that we need to make Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit our people. We have to somehow love and attach to God. He invites us to this. And the thing that changes us most profoundly is who we love. That's the thing that has the potential to change our character, not our theology. Now, I'm not saying theology is bad. We need good theology. But good theology won't change our character. John says it better than I could. 
in John 15, 9 through 12. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, we can do all the right things and still become obnoxious church people. I've run into a lot of those. N.T. Wright, in a little article he wrote back in February, said, There are some things we can only know through love. And a knowing that comes through loving helps us in ways that knowing through thinking about ideas can't. So how do we begin to focus on God and love him more? That's, that's maybe is the big question here. My suggestion to you and the best suggestion I can make from my own experience in my Christian walk is to become in, involved in a group of people you can trust. We have life groups in this church, small groups that meet. And while well, we used to meet in person, I'm not sure when that's going to happen again. I guess maybe when school starts again, we'll do this through Zoom. But those kind of communities have been very transformational in my life. And it's, it's a place where we find community like that. And I think being in someone's home and eating together has a way of disarming us. It's a place where we can feel accepted and safe, a place where we can quiet our souls. I've run into some, come, some, and come, uh, come to some churches where the pastor and pastoral staff were kind of harsh. They were mean. And when, I, when we first started coming to Christ Community Church, which was six years ago, I approached the church with some caution because of all that history. And it took me a while to kind of trust people here and figure out, are these people okay? But there are a lot of bad shepherds out there, a lot of bad pastors. Ezekiel talks about them in Ezekiel 34.4. The bad shepherds, he says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. But you know, good shepherds are not like that. Or we could say good pastors, good ministers. John talks about where Jesus says that he's the good shepherd in John 10, 14 through 15. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. That's a much higher standard than the shepherds who abuse their sheep. And you know, I have some letters attached to my name, but I don't need anything different than anybody else does in the pew or the chair here. When I come on Sunday, I can turn off my internal editor and just listen and quiet my soul and be fed here because I have a great deal of trust in Tracy and Jason and our leadership team here. Thank you for that. So I'm going to put in a plug for this church and when we can, and COVID will pass, to get involved in a small group of believers that you can trust and we come to love each other in Christian love and we attach ourselves to people who love God. God can do a lot of healing in us. 
We become attached to God through that. It's amazing what God can do with us because we become like those we love. Jason? Thank you, Doc. Always enjoy hearing your words and interpretation of the word. Brings things into a new light. We're going to sing one more song. Oh, the paper. <laughs> Hang on. knew something had to go wrong this morning. <laughs> but would you uh, join with me for this last song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Savior has ran 
All right, uh, quick announcement. We are just a little less than two weeks out from our next Claire House meal. Um, whatever else we used to do that we no longer do, Claire House is not one of those things. We are still doing that. Uh, last time I checked, I believe the only thing we have uh, being provided is milk. So we still need uh, entree, we still need fruit, vegetable, salad, and bread and dessert. So we still need everything except milk. And uh, Don, how many are we? Uh, we're feeding approximately 50 people. All right. And if people will sign up, we actually, uh, to bring food, that would be good. We actually have enough money donations right now that we don't need money donations. Okay. All right. So um, for those that didn't hear, uh, we're looking at providing uh, the meal for about 50 people. Um, we need everything signed up for. I will be emailing out a list. Again, we've got about two weeks left before we really need to... Uh, kind of nail everything down. Um, we really, preferentially, we would prefer to have the uh, food provided. If you can't and want to provide money, um, at least for this time out, we've got enough money to pick up what we need to pick up. But, you know, if you want to provide some money for the next time out, cool, do that too. Uh, that's all I've got. That's the only announcement. I would just uh, tag on to what Don said. Um, you know, we talk about and have talked ex extensively and excessively about small groups. And I think in a setting like this, we come to think of small groups as a small formalized church provided structure. You know, a Bible study, a book group. Uh, your small group can be any group of people that like you love Jesus and that you share life with. It can be people you share coffee with. It can be people you go fishing with. Um, you know, if there are a group of people in your life you're staying connected to by, you can small group by text these days. So just because, you know, we're keeping our distance and, 
and social distancing and all that, you can still be in small groups. And I would encourage you to do so because it's in those small groups that we become more like him and less like ourselves. Uh, would you stand with me as we close in prayer? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May we each go from this place grateful for all that we have, mindful for all we have for which we have not been grateful. And may we never waste the opportunity to express to those in our lives just how grateful we are and how much we love them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Y'all go, have a great week.